0: This episode is brought to you by my wonderful patrons. Thank you so much to my patrons. They make this podcast possible and also very fun to do because we are able to interact on a private Discord where we can talk, discuss topics, and just in general help each other collect the things that we want. So thank you so much to everyone who participates there. I couldn't appreciate you more. This episode is also brought to you by myself. If you haven't already heard, I've been working on a passion project called Cardfolio. It's going to be an app that'll let you scan your cards onto your phone and add them to your virtual binder. Your virtual binder allows you to keep track of not only what you own, but you'll also be able to keep track of what you need. Are you chasing a shadowless master set? If so, Cardfolio will be able to. Help you keep track of your progress towards your goal so that it makes it easier to achieve it. Cardfolio doesn't just catalog your collection and manage your collecting goals, it will also allow you to see your collection like an actual investment portfolio. This means you'll be able to see how much your collection is worth, how that value has changed over time, and how your collection value breaks down by item type. For example, how much do you have in raw cards versus slab cards versus sealed items? If all of this sounds like an app you would like to download, then join my early access waiting list. I'll keep you updated with app progress, mock-ups, and when it's available, early beta access. So it'll be fun and it'll be great. The link for the early access waiting list will be in the description below, so go ahead and sign up if that's something that you're interested in. Hello, my friends, and welcome to season three of the geeked out collecting podcast where we apply financial and investing principles to our favorite hobby collectibles like Pokemon, Magic the Gathering, comic books, Fortnite cards, you name it, we talk about it all. Thank you so much for being here. I am your host, Jess. So let's get started with collecting things that we love like damn adults. Here's today's episode. (laughs) oh y'all you know connor i want to tell you your displays look so dope like you really beefed it up
1: yeah i will i also like yeah so i picked up a couple from poker dreamer and obviously but also like I used to sit over there, but I put a desk on this side of the room so that people could actually see my stuff instead of Syracuse <laughs> basketball and a light. So I tried. I tried.
0: <laughs> it looks good. Have any of Thank you guys you. been participating in the Eevee day today? Sylveon, man, all you need are seven hearts. After this, I'm going to get my last heart so I can finally get a Sylveon.
1: I, I haven't opened long ago yeah i haven't opened pokemon go in like months i feel like i don't know i like every it, like it alerts me all the time like the notifications come up and i want to play and then i'm like i don't i don't know what i'm i'm not doing this right now i don't know it just like escapes me <laughs> i forget oh
0: i gotcha i
1: know but it I should gotcha. be it's eevee so yeah it's some special eevee thing right
0: Um, no, it it is. It's all EV stuff today. So yeah, there's like a shit ton of EVs. I caught my first shiny. So I'm turning, I'm turning the shiny into Sylveon. I just gotta, you know, remember to finish the things because I think like, to get to evolve EV to Sylveon, you need 70 hearts. Which is a shit ton of hearts. If Mm. you remember, like when you have your buddy, right?
1: Yeah, Did you play when it first came out? I thought you just named them something else, and then.
0: then so that was that was the hack that was from them. the that was from
2: the cartoon that when it first came out, you could name them the Flareon, the Vaporeon, and the Jolteon after the ones on the show, and they would evolve into those specific ones. But now, yeah, it only worked once, though.
0: Yeah, like gotcha. like now. Like now, I think I can't remember if it's Umbreon or Espeon. It's probably Espeon. But like, for example, you need to walk ten kilometers with your buddy and then evolve them at night, and then you get <laughs> and then you get the Espeon. Sense. You can get Jolteon, Vaporeon, and Flareon. Those are just like randos. So you can randomly evolve and you can kind of get mm. them wherever. But if you want like the special ones. Um, uh leafeon umbreon you have to do some stuff you have to you have to you yeah. know but anyways yeah, just it's random hack.
1: i did
2: the naming hack that's how Aww. i got i think of Flareon or whatever i don't remember it's a lot easier to play now than when it first came out when you had no idea what was going on because you couldn't see the ids you had to like hack i used to have to like hack into like some weird website and like and i also used to spoof my location too so yeah, Did like, you was, really? Yeah, so it was almost like so it was like playing the game. It was almost like playing the Game Boy game, but on your phone. So like you mm-hmm. travel, so I would go. I would make it simulate all the way to like England or Australia, so you can go cl- catch the specific region ones. Oh yeah, but then people got <sighs> banned for that. The company that used it got so I never got so they would just shadow ban you, so you couldn't catch anything for like five minutes. But the company who created that app got sued for five million dollars because they basically took the server and just hopped off, like just made like a duplicate and then made a way to go back into it. And they were spoofing the system. Um,
0: wow. I had no that's idea. Why I
2: was, that's why it was so slow. Cause everyone was trying to cheat the system and all those other companies were making it so you could fake where you were, but they were also slowing down the other servers.
0: Mm. See, so that's what was happening because I left the game super quick because of those stupid servers always, you know, failing super slow, low tides were shitty. So. they also had
2: they also like it just like exploded like they had no idea that it was gonna yeah it, it, it just took over that summer.
1: overload yeah did you guys ever play the harry potter version The like i Lizard's tried it night one yeah i tried yeah. it and then i just it was not man i i just don't like staring at my phone while i'm outside <laughs> That's
2: yeah, the it's, weird. it's
1: hard it's like i don't know i just like it's hard for me to play sometimes um
0: you know, oh, God, honestly, I can understand head. that. Yeah, yeah. I-, I can understand that 100%. Like, like at this point, the only reason I do it is because I have like a monthly or no, a daily goal for steps just to keep mm-hmm. active. Because I, because like, I, you know, we spend so much time sitting down at a desk, right? I'm like, no, I'm going to like, I'm going to be better about it. I'm gonna be more deliberate. <laughs> so... I'm thinking, okay, if I'm walking, I might as well also beef up my stats. Like, I'm at tw- level yeah. 29 now, which isn't much, but, you know, step by step. <laughs> cool. mm. Well, y'all, this is great. Um, before you got on, Connor, James and I, we were talking about how, like, one of these days, if and when we ever go to a card show or Comic-Con, we should do the full the full cosplay. So I'm expecting oh my god. I'm I'm expecting buff meowth, okay? Buff meow. <laughs> are there
1: mouth costumes? Can I get that somewhere? There's gotta be. Oh there's gotta my god, be some there, there has to be.
0: We I, can make I, like, it work. Just
1: like a mask with hands, it would be hilarious. <laughs> it would be so funny. Oh my yes. god. I was literally I'm not gonna lie, I was just watching Pokemon movie two thousand or whatever. I think I might like try to like watch them all like over time just for the (laughs) heck of it because i don't know how many of the pokemon movies i've seen but i'm really still trying to figure out there's so many there's there's so many and i'm still trying to figure out if this coco movie or i guess like in english it's secrets of the jungle if it's ever actually going to come out in the united states and if they're gonna do it in theaters or if they're just gonna like Release it online. Um, I don't know how they've mm. done like recent releases. I don't really remember, but I could see them just like doing
2: it with Netflix and releasing it straight on. Demon, Demon Slayer had like. that same issue with their movie too. They were trying to figure out how to get it in because the theaters mm-hmm. were just there was no point going to theaters. So, yeah.
0: Demon yeah. Slayer came so, out with a movie,
2: so they like a live wrote- action. No, it's a cart. It's a part no, of the like no, it's, anime. It's they anime. broke all the records of was it Spirited Away had all the records in Japan. It broke yeah. all. Are of you serious? October. Yeah, it's yeah.
0: is a good show. I've only seen season one though. I don't know if season two is out or not. Yeah.
1: Not yet, but I it's, haven't it's so huge. much into it. But the movie looked cool. So the you know, anything that gets live action is awful. Like,
2: Turns
0: to shit completely. <laughs> Complete like, <I> shit. <laughs> mm.
2: Good old
1: airbender.
0: That 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 started it all, right? And then and then there was Death Note that came out, which was William Dafoe didn't
1: even read the manga and he played the Shimigami, and I'm just like, how how do you even understand the role you're playing if you've never read it or watched it? Like it was mind blowing to me, and it was terrible. It was so it's like it's like anytime they try to live action. A video game movie or a video game into a movie or an anime into a live action show. So that's why, like, is this Pokemon show gonna be terrible or is it gonna
2: actually work out? I hope not. I'm hoping it's good because I have cards I wanna sell that are hopefully gonna be based off the show. So (laughs) yeah,
1: it'll be two or three years from now, probably. So it'll be perfect timing.
0: (laughs) The only anime movies that I like that are based off shows are those 50 minute recaps. oh yeah when you nice. go back oh yeah That that those are the only well no i do like the um like spirited away in those movies those actual movies were oh um, but yeah
1: i just watched that a couple of weeks ago again mm. for the first time in a long time it's so good i mean it's so like good. it's beautiful like the animation's mm-hmm. amazing it's hard to believe mm. it's like 20 years
0: old gosh honestly I-, I couldn't agree with you more princess mononoke that was a good one too mm. um what's the other ones that are all of a sudden like not coming to mind but spirited away is definitely a really good one now i'm gonna have to try and see how i can uh, watch this demon slayer movie
2: Uh,
1: i had no idea i bootlegged it online somewhere so (laughs) that's anime you can always watch it for free online yeah that's how anime works
0: (laughs) i was gonna check crunchyroll so but you're right bootleg
2: it's true. They might have exactly. it now. I know Netflix didn't Yeah, I think Netflix had season 1 of Demon Slayer. They're yeah. not going to season 2 though. I don't I think Crunchyroll. But didn't you see the uh didn't Crunchyroll buy Funimation or all the way around for like
0: one No, time? um uh, uh
1: Sony bought Crunchyroll. Yep. Oh shit. Right. Yeah. Hmm.
2: Oh, I, I, forgot. I, never,
1: I never like read the press release but my buddy told me. Um which is interesting. I never have had a Crunchyroll subscription, but I've always like been this close to pulling the trigger because there's. I mean, it is nice to like have it all in easy access in one place and not have to like bootleg it and airplay it to it or like whatever. But it's uh, yeah. I've never decided to pay for it.
0: Mm. Well, I mean, I think. I don't pay for it either, but I have Funimation, and then so mm. I, one of my coworkers, he's got Crunchyroll. So we just
1: swap, you know, nice share. That's
0: great. FBI. I don't actually do that. That's <laughs> FBI agent. That's not what I do. <laughs> I, I, you know, I heard recently that Netflix was going to start trying to criminalize, like, share logins. When you share a login, am I am I going crazy? Have you guys heard that too, or no?
1: for netflix i wouldn't be surprised if they're gonna crack down on it more yeah they're but. trying
2: to because they're, they're they can't go any higher with subscriptions or yeah they their subscription numbers are hitting a wall so they want to try to make it so you can't share passwords anymore so their numbers go higher
0: yeah I mean,
1: like i know on mine we have at least three profiles though mm-hmm. three or four different profiles so
2: they might use IP I, addresses probably or some kind of mix i would assume to try to limit that yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. Yeah, for sure. We we do we do the same thing. And I wanna say it's a limit of like three viewers at one time or three oh, devices yeah. at one time too. Run
1: into it, yeah. Mm. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But if for you sure. just
1: download everything, then they'll never know. Right.
2: That's one so. way around it. <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, I mean, I guess we could start getting into the market stuff because there's a lot of things a lot of things a
1: little bit a little bit right now a little bit i actually impromptu hopped on the phone with schwami today which was sweet i don't know if you guys have ever seen any of his videos but we were talking a little bit about it oh really what y'all talk about it's great um we were talking about largely like the psa backlog and grading and some of the like gem rates and stuff because there's been some good videos that have been put out about PSA and their backlog and the percentage of tens lately that have been graded. This guy, you, I forget his, I always forget his handle, but he has like really good YouTube videos and largely they're around, um, NBA, uh, card data, but he has a ton of data on the PSA. Um, basically grading history. And he's been tracking them as well. And so it was interesting because I, like, I just pulled all the pop reports I pull monthly and I was reviewing some stuff for a video I'm going to do this week. So we were just kind of talking about that. But it's, uh, it's funny because, you know, I won't, you know, I don't have to go too much down the rabbit hole. But the interesting thing is that the complete through dates for value TCG is sitting literally at October 5th, which is like the, the, like two days after the Logan Paul video, the first Logan Paul video. So we're like, we're at the precipice of all the cards that got sent in right after Logan Paul got back into the hobby. So the next three to six months of watching the PSA pop reports and watching, uh, cards that come back is going to get crazy interesting.
0: Mm. Mm, yeah, that is going to be really, really interesting to see that data. And I've heard, I mean, even uh, a few people like Charlie, I know, I-, I can't remember when he told me when he put his sub in, but he's gotten subs back, which I'm sure are old subs, but got subs back. Um, And, and the gem mitts, there weren't that many. There weren't as many. The people that you've been talking to, Connor, have they also kind of seen the same thing or the it, content yeah, you've been so taking?
1: what the data has kind of shown, like roughly if you extrapolate it across everything at PSA is basically the rate of gem mint tens is at about half of what it was before. So if 40% of submissions were getting tens, now it's 20 and that's like kind of what he extrapolated over a very short term time period from this data. But I think it's like, it's an interesting thought exercise, right? Like in this, I'll probably talk about some of this on the video this week. But like the, how much is a function of PSA becoming more strict with the grading? How much is a function of people literally just sending in whatever they wanted to PSA? Either, either just because, you know. Like Charizard's a great example, right? Like any first edition Charizard in any condition became valuable, right? It became worth grading, right? Among a myriad of other vintage and modern cards. So, you know, you can get a seven and whatever first edition base hollow and it still was worth grading, right? So so how many people had all that backlog that they just decided to dump because it was not worth it? And then just the people that we know that are totally uneducated, right? That just, just just said, "Hey, I have a shoebox of cards. Here they go." And you know whether it was unlimited or first edition or fake cards, whatever. Like they just sent it in. So, um, and then there's also the idea of like over time, like there's only you know let's say let's just make an easy number. Like let's say a hundred thousand of a certain card in a set wherever printed right like there might only be in existence like from the hundred thousand that were produced like ten thousand that qualify as a ten and then from there you go what's been damaged what's been lost you know then you kind of add in some that you know get some leniency right but there's only a finite number right so then per- the percentage could go down if the population just keeps going up from an overarching standpoint because there are literally no you know more tens out there to be graded like potential tens so um it's kind it's it's tough it's tough to like and then we don't even know what the other you know ps or cgc looks like right we don't know how many cards are there
2: so it's about to get so interesting So I don't know what you guys think about that. I mean, the the market's already down usually in the winter anyways into November, December. What's going to happen when those cards start coming on the market and people start panicking because they need to sell because they need to pay back all of their PSA subs? Because I'm I'm guessing a lot of them forecast that out. So that's what I'm banking on is just people needing money and just having to offload because there's no more raw bulk anymore that's worth buying even the stuff that I'm looking at now, like it's still
0: it's trash.
2: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I found one I'm trying to get the guy to tell, sell it to me, but like it's these cards would be probably like 80 cents a piece. And there's probably, it's probably 60% mint to near mint. Um, But even, I mean, that's might be worth the risk, but I mean, I think just back to Connors more like, I don't think there's a lot of tens that are out there and people, I think the junk slabs are going to be coming in now Going forward, like this is where it got stupid because all those articles came out middle of October, and then it got worse after it we went home for the holidays for November, December, and then people are like just sending cards in and just it's gonna be like you said it's gonna be interesting because I don't know how people have planned out how they're gonna pay for these subs. They probably haven't, but
1: if they're a business, they might have right, or they might have access to some leverage or credit or whatever, but. It is, it's hard because there's so many like, um, there's so many conflicting catalysts, right? Like, like you have 25th anniversary, you have the holidays, like the seasonality of the hobby, like all those things that are like, pros. And then you have, you know, so that could say, hey, do we get another like slight boom into this like fall into winter? But then you also have like, have people really made a bad mistake and are a lot of them upside down on slabs. And it's like, well, maybe because it was so cheap to grade then that they might be okay. Like they still are going to need money. Right. Like I've taken advantage of that already with CGC lots, like bought cards from people for 60 cents on the dollar because they needed money to cover their grading fees. Right. Um, especially with Japanese. Cause they're just like, get it out the door, you know, Japanese hollows. So Um, it's really hard. There's a lot of like, odd factors, and then the whole macro overlay, right? Um, Whether or not, you know, the delta variant picks up, or how people perceive it picking up whatever, what happens with the world with that, and then just like the broader, you know, economic recovery worldwide, as a whole, and then you also have like, what you know, all the, you know, the unemployment benefits ending, the extended ones. You have uh, people are going to need to start paying student loans and their, you know, rents again. Maybe pay their student <laughs> loans. Totally. Who knows? But so there's so many of these like conflating factors. On like, it's it's such like it comes down to like a personal level of liquidity needs, and it's like we don't know how many people that sent cards won want to sell a lot of them too, how many of them were just like random individuals versus like larger businesses that are looking to just churn, right? And it's, we don't know the character of the submissions that have been made, which is really tough to see because I think a lot, a lot of those people probably sent the CGC later, you know, in the year, but I think we're still in that period of a lot of people were just sending the PSA,
2: you know, in October, November. Because that's what I did. I I didn't I didn't send them in until was it April, May. But I also sent in a dumb amount of cards. Um, but it was also just a cheaper option at that time because of just how many cards I was sending. Because PSA would have been, I think, was it fifteen dollars a card? Around I mean, it's been well, fifteen was the lowest, right? Or was it twenty?
0: God, I can't remember to, now. Trying to
2: remember now. Yeah. Well, there were before that. It was like, it's
1: like somewhere something. between eight and twelve.
2: Yeah, and like right, they at one point yeah. depending yeah. on the
1: quarterly special or if you had vouchers or whatever. They're giving them away at one point. Yeah, it's weird because we we were like I felt like we were so hyper obsessed on the price changes, and then since PSA closed and CGC hasn't moved their prices since like whenever that was, February or March, like. I've just kind of forgotten like the price history and just taken like it is what it is now. They,
2: they made that move in February, March, and then they made another move in what was it, June? When was it the, cause their website was a disaster when I was trying to do one of my last subs. I think Jessica yeah, could be like twelve hours to be one of yours because they just kept there's so many people putting cards in.
0: It was stupid.
2: That was before it was that so right? it was May, right, Jess? That's when you were
1: sent you because yours just got checked in, right?
0: Yeah, May was the one that I struggled with the most. That was the worst to get in. That that, yeah. that was the worst to literally I mean, put in. Like,
2: it was. I paid seven sixty five per card. So it's awesome. I mean, I don't. I mean, it's not going to happen again. I don't think. Even with like specials or anything like that, I don't see a company being that cheap if they're not one of the big three. I mean, if they're no. like one of those newer ones, I can see them being cheaper. But even then, like, how do they? Stay afloat. They're going to be that cheap. They're not going to like all these new ones. Oh, no doubt, their, like they're twenty dollars minimum, and then they're kind of going up from there. Yeah, I wonder. Mm-hmm. Like, it's hard
1: because we don't see like what their business looks like, right? Yeah. So, if they're doing things at a much more rudimentary level, if they're using cheaper products and inputs but also they're probably not able to purchase the raw materials for the stuff they need or anything like that at scale like obviously a psa is um they probably have really bad terms for all that stuff like i I can't imagine the economics are great have have you guys looked more into randolph's grading company that he launched because i know nothing about it at this point
0: i haven't are you talking okay. about is he the the gentleman that actually uses like a, a scanner he doesn't he use some ocr technology and then zooms in i can't remember i'm thinking of a video that i saw in gary's profile one time oh when he no, was at you're thinking
1: of those show. guys that he invested with no he, oh okay
0: yeah, yeah this is oh, Randall okay.
1: pokemon the dude from the uk who's the um He's also like a musician, like a rapper, um, but he started a grading company recently to my understanding, but I never got around to looking into it. I think
2: that's smart over in Europe, especially with just shipping. Yeah. Like, There's nothing really over there that's defined, I don't think, right? There's not, I mean, they're all pretty much space in the States and shipping is just an absolute nightmare coming from the UK. That's why I don't buy from Europe usually because just how expensive it is. Not to mm-hmm. mention yeah. currency exchange. So, I mean, they don't really have many options over there. So, I can see that being a viable. I'm kind of surprised PSA hasn't like tried to like buy one of those smaller ones just to so they can have some kind of way to get their name overseas more, so they could start grading cards over there. But,
1: well, I think Connor and uh, what's his face from um, Graded Gem. I think they work with the, see, I always forget if they are working where the grading facility is for PSA that they Mm -hmm. use, but those guys graded gem at first was in the UK. And then Z from Z and G was also doing middlemanning for graded gem on the U S side of their business, but their business started in the UK. Um, i know there's a small facility smaller in japan for grading but grading cards in japan is not really a big thing yet they don't care Um, they sell them like they're graded so yeah they do sell them
2: like they're graded it's hilarious but isn't it because Mm -hmm. of like how just how they keep they just like hold on to stuff better than than a, a normal american does they just keep they just keep their cards in better condition and They're just better about, I mean, I'm sure a lot of those cards that are over there from like the early 1990s, I'm sure they're still in pristine condition or close to it, even if they aren't even graded yet, just because of how they keep their cards. There could
1: be people with like, there could be people in Japan, like abandoned stores or like, you know, just random families who maybe had a store before bought during the 90s, like who could have like boxes of like like cases of like bandai cards like we have no idea like the ones that went in the vending like all the not the not the peel sheets but the actual vending cards like there could be who knows how many of those could be over there in pristine condition and then yeah my i was thinking about this today like i i miss just because the raw market has been harder and because of grading costs and where we're at in the cycle like i haven't been looking as much for raw cards but um i also haven't had as much time to do so but i do miss like buying as much from japan because it, they always came very well packed in very good condition like with a lot of care behind it and that was like always one of my favorite things about buying from japan is
2: just i felt like they 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 cared a lot about like the quality that's how um, the canadians are too hmm I mean, Justin remember here, Canadian, Canadian Brad, James, who I thought was sending me heroin when I got the packaging of how it was like, <laughs> it was wrapped. <laughs> it was wrapped in trash bags, uh, duct tape. Uh, it was in sleeves, but they were like, I don't. Know, he did it some sort of way. Sorry, just making you spit water. But like they, he had it like triple, port, like it looked like drugs, and that's what Nicole thought. <laughs> of when I had drugs when I ripped it. It really up. did. It I took like. I got 600 cards from him, so he like they was a thick stack, and I was like, oh my goodness, oh my god.
0: Look, it took at least an hour just to like really unwrap everything, take everything out, take inventory. Okay, did did I actually get everything? Mm -hmm. You know that that was insane. Canada bread came in clutch. But they looked like
2: they had just came out of a pack. That's how nice they were, which Mm -hmm. was. I was still surprised that he was selling them for what he was selling them for, with how nice they were. Like they looked like they just were packed fresh, but he had opened them in two thousand twelve, I think he said. So it was they were like eight or nine years out of pack. So I don't. I mean, I don't know how he kept. I assume he just kept them. In that school, was insane. I don't yeah. know how he kept them so nice.
0: I I don't either. And honestly, like. It'll be really interesting to see what those cards grade at between you and I, because I'm hoping if, if I get pristines, if I do, it would come from that. It would, I, I don't know I'm, that I will, but.
2: I'm thinking nines, maybe, maybe some 9.5s if we're lucky. I mean, if we get, if we get pristines out of those, and I mean like seven or eight of those cards pay for all of the Raws. So, I mean, it's, it would be nice, but I don't, I mean, CGC doesn't give out tens, do they? yeah you guys <laughs> only know me. only I'm, if you're okay. pancake. <laughs> <laughs> of everything i
1: sent in i think out of like 175 to 200 cards i pre-graded two of them as a 10
2: i asked pancake too and i said have you ever gotten vintage tens? and i, I think he said he hasn't they're only modern tens that he's gotten them for yeah mm-hmm. i wouldn't be
1: surprised i don't i'm trying to think if i've ever seen a vintage 10 from cgc either version of their 10 pristine or perfect. I think I've only seen modern, but I mean, is that, that's going to be close to
2: like a black label for people. Oh no, I've seen
1: one. I've seen one Japanese one. Okay. It was a, uh, it was Mm. a poly. Is it the poly wrath from, I think it's a Neo discovery hollow. Maybe I can like see it in my mind's eye. Mm. Um, But someone I know from who's a seller from Hawaii, who has a ton of Japanese. He got, he got a ten, a pristine ten. It wasn't a perfect ten, and that's the only uh, vintage one I've ever seen. It's Mm. so interesting. I still think I think there's a lot of opportunity there still to like, you know, more more from just a. I mean, it's an arbitrage opportunity, basically, right? Where if you want to churn. You know, and you can buy really good cards in CGC slabs that look like they might be able to be a PSA 10 someday. But the biggest risk there, other than just the hobby risk, is the fact that you don't know what you're going to have to pay
2: to regrade that. That's um, true. And, you might. I mean, at this point, I won't even bother regrading because I don't. I think I'm, I'm also betting on CGC. But right. Um,
1: you're making that. Yeah. Which is, I mean, the market's going to tell us, right? Like we're going to find out.
2: Yeah, definitely.
0: Yeah. I mean, it'll be really interesting to see because, you know, with the increase in prices, and we've talked about this before the debate, is there going to be a new floor for graded cards? Some say yes. And I can understand why they do because sellers want to cover their cost basis. But at the same time, will there be enough demand for those prices? And I mean, we've already been seeing a win in the market. You know, I think um, what eBay's uh, most recent uh, quarterly report said that their active buyer base dropped by 2%. Granted, that's probably not due to Pokemon and all these other factors. But I mean, you can't command prices if you don't have the demand for the prices and the item
2: i think with that too with ebay is there's not they're not the only show in town anymore i think whatsapp is gonna that's true whatsapp that's is true. coming for their for their market share especially with like they just can't offer the same kind of stuff that what whatsapp does and i guess i mean gather same. do, kind you, of do stuff you, mean whatnot. Whatnot? you mean what whatnot what not <laughs> what not yeah sorry <laughs> yeah whatnot. that's the thing <laughs> they also can't do with whatsapp but um, not? I mean that's it's just a unique product that I don't think eBay I mean eBay might try to get into that kind of live auction thing but
1: I think eBay is trying to diversify their business in a myriad of ways right we're seeing them dabble a little bit in content we're seeing them dab more in the commercial lending on like the high-end you know watch market for example so they're figuring out different ways to make money and try to try to adapt um, but I do think I do think the way things are trending is more that experiential um, marketplace, like what Whatnot started to establish. Um, It's just way more fun, right? Um, You know, the hard part is like, I know I can go and buy something for X on eBay pretty much, you know, by and large at any time if it's fairly common. But on Whatnot, it's always going to depend on you know, are they doing a raffle with, you know, for the top bidder in this thing and it's brilliant for sellers. Oh my gosh. I mean, you can sell, you can sell a hundred dollars slab for $200 just because someone's trying to be the highest bidder. Like it's brilliant. But, um, back to the, the original debate, I have, I have, I think come to the firm conclusion that there is no such floor anywhere for anything. Um, for a a variety of reasons right i think you know one first and foremost is there's this weird lag between how many people graded you know cards for eight bucks and the card maybe cost them 50 cents and so they're more than willing to sell you know if they're a business yeah but like even you like you have volume right like if you, if you could sell all of those cards for $20 or $25 and the, you know, PSA's lowest grading fee is $50, like you don't care that that's no. $50. Like you're making a double or a triple on your money and you're just running that churn. Like that's how a business works. Like that's where the money's <laughs> going to be made in this hobby going forward is on like those low cost, higher volume, like transactions i think and then like in a longer term perspective some like you know unique investment pieces but anyway right like the the fact that there's such like a large amount of low cost basis slabs that people are going to be willing to let go of for you know pretty pretty low prices i think because as a business you don't need to hit home runs. You just need to hit a bunch of singles. Um, And it'll be interesting to see, like it's kind of like what I alluded to before. I don't know how much of the market or how much of the backlog at PSA, for example, is cards that were submitted by like, for gosh sakes, like the guy, like Dan and Travis. Like I know they use CGC largely, but like the volume that they submit to run a business like that's why they'll sell me a first edition cgc9 or whatever for 15 bucks because their cost basis is like four dollars that's awesome for them you know so how long does it take for all those low basis cards to flush out and for there to be some like reset of you know there's only cards entering the market that have you know $25 Twenty-five dollar grading fees associated with them, and the answer is probably never, because the market doesn't really work like that, and the volume's too great. So, that's you know, part of my take.
0: And and honestly, like to double down on what you're saying with what Dan and Travis are doing. I mean, I remember one of the first conversations I had them on. Um, they literally they they told me they never keep money in the bank. They're always just putting it back in, putting it back in, in terms of cards, sending them out to be graded, you know, not leaving money in the bank just because they know that in order for them to make money, volume, they, did he get on base? Like that reminds you of that one movie with What's His Face, you know? They're they're always about just getting on base. And like the other cool thing with whatnot, which I haven't been paying too much attention to their auction prices, but I love how that app also has like, virality built into it you know like in order to increase users you want to you know have a micro influencer strategy or an influencer strategy right Mm -hmm. well if you have them if you like they have their own flywheel kind of like amazon the more auctioneers you have on there that have influence the more users you have on there to to bid and buy things And then, so the more people you have buying things, the more people you have selling things. And it's just this circle where it's just freaking awesome. I haven't used the route.
1: They're the ones who are going to be the, like, an example of the winners in all of this. Anyone who is part of the transactional nature of collectibles and is just getting a cut of every buy and sell. Those are the smartest people in the room, right? It's like the same as like the crypto market, right? Like the coin bases of the world are the people who are going to be the winners, you know. and That end. actually They're make just, the money? That actually make the money, yeah. Because it doesn't matter if the trade was a winner or a loss. They still get their cut, right? They so, get bigger fees, though. Yeah, they, they don't care. Yeah.
0: They can enter into any market and yeah. still come out profitable in the end. It, it, it's, it's great.
1: The it's cool great. thing about Whatnot is that, like, they're, to your exact point, like, they're able to partner with social media influencers, right? Like, they've done these weekly breaks, you know, where they do a succession of breaks with different, you know, Poketubers or whatever. Like, I would love to know how many users they added after Super Duper Danny opened that error box.
0: Like, oh, yeah. Yeah. That
1: must have, like, because that went so viral. Um, at least in our,
2: like, for poker. I mean, just right? look at the Slabathon. The Slabathon they did in June, too. That was yeah. that huge thing. Yeah, plus
1: all the stuff that, like, yeah. I don't know, for me, like, I don't give a shit about, like, there's, you know, gosh, there's vintage clothing on there, which is, like, kind of cool, like, sometimes, like, depending, and there's, like, Funkos, which I hate, but, like, they're there, like, obviously, there's all the sports guys, like, there are, you know, there's, I mean, stuff I do like, like vintage video game stuff. Like there is a huge and diverse marketplace on there, um, across not just hobbies, but like just things, people like stuff you would go on Mercari to buy, you know what I mean? Right. So, um, that business is super interesting. They could, you know, I think they have a lot of improvement to make, but they have a lot of opportunity and they were pretty much the first mover, at least in the U S.
0: Yeah. I mean, they definitely have first mover advantage though. Sometimes it's a disadvantage to be a first mover too, because, because all of your, all of your, um, you know,
2: vulnerabilities. Exactly.
0: (laughs) Exactly. And so someone can just swoop in and do it. So, I mean, but, but it's cool. It's really interesting to see. Like, like, this is what I was thinking about the other day, you know, because at first, when Pokemon first came out, you know, we were kids, we were young, we didn't know what the hell was going on. But as adults now, when we can kind of like look back on the market of Pokemon and to see where it could go, right? Because, you know, I've been taking in a lot of uh, Harry Rinker content and reserve investment content. And that's been really interesting because we've had these conversations before but used like different terminology and now that i've been exposed to more of this like content from the collectibles and the antiques like specifically like dudes that have been in it for longer than we've been alive it's been really interesting because they have all the fundamentals to it right so we're like in the second stage pokemon is in like the second stage of the life cycle of a collectible and so now at this point it can either grow into a no i'm sorry maybe the third stage I so forget, my, it
1: reserved investment it's like his i forget whose philosophy that is but it's like 25 or 30 years right to yep like
0: yep it's, it's all itself. harry rinker
1: yeah, Harry Rinker, right.
0: Yeah, I mean, and, and so so that's so cool because now Pokemon is at that point where it will either start to mature into a stable market, potentially, or it might turn into like, uh, you know, a dying market where we won't have another generation of people coming back into it to kind of continue to get keep that market going because, I mean, I, you know, when you think of markets like, you know, historic documents, rare books, uh, you know, coins, uh, ancient weapons, straight blade, whatever the crap, you know, whatever, whatever, all that, all that business, right? You know, those are, those are considered... In, in Harry Rinker's eyes, stable, mature markets. Those are markets you can jump into at any time and most likely get an ROI over the years if you hang on to them long-term, right? Which is all the things that we want to do with Pokemon. But it, it'll take a long time still to, to see whether or not Pokemon actually turns into a mature market. But it's cool because we're adults now and we can watch it on the ground floor and make Mm -hmm. our choices and and honestly like you know i I think pokemon has a really good chance of maturing into a stable market because it's a huge brand compared to metazoo which we can get into a conversation about metazoo and fortnite at some point but but but, but I mean, what's kind of nice, though, is like, you know, I thought for a while I was going to keep all my Pokemon stuff. I was going to keep it all super long term and see like a 10x, you know, some stupid, right? But but now I'm getting to the point where it's like, okay, I think there are some things that will do really well over the long term. But if there are things that I don't really care too much about, like in my personal collection that I don't really care too much about, but if I can two or three or 4x, that's probably even if it's a short-term move, that's probably a good move because we're not going to see everything uh, appreciate how we would want it to. So I'm here to yeah. just take my paper gains for those I and, and roll it into have something remember,
1: else. That's hard to remember in like a mature collectibles or antique market that a lot of those are like the general majority of any given kind of asset is probably going to be something that's more of a store of value than anything else and the higher end of the market's usually where either the higher end which usually includes the things that are the most rare and unique right whether condition absolute or both rarity Um, those are the things where you know you could see some sort of significant appreciation largely due to a little bit of time and people coming into the space and understanding it a little better right um but it's like the large majority ends up just being kind of more of a of a store of value play um we're in the weird part of pokemon where a bunch of this stuff is gonna be not even close to a store of value it's going to be a loss for most people honestly or at the very best completely like dead money um but probably a loss honestly probably Uh, like and that's the weird that's the hard part right is like it's like do you you, have you bought it and collected it just because you want to collect it and like at the end of the day like people have collected things for a millennia because they enjoyed doing so because we're creatures who for some reason like or at least some of us like this idea of like collecting things and having you know stuff to display or show up to our friends or enjoy visually or whatever it is like it you know satisfy some sort of ocd tendency whatever um and then you know at that point it's just like a purchase right but it's yeah no i think you're I think you're right is that the the ip is so large and i think i think for barring some like major screw up i think within our lifetimes we will probably see pokemon continue at least for the large part um i think we've got a good one to two more generations like as long as they don't screw something up um but i think at the very least like the hobby will be around for decades and decades to come. Um, That's my hope, as long as the the IP continues to kind of touch as many different facets of the world as it has, right? Because there's so many outlets for it, right? Like people who play Pokemon Go who don't even, they don't even know what, you know, Evolving Skies is, right? You know what I mean? So that's one of the cool things about it is it does have, It has a lot more going for it from a survivability maturing you know a potential to mature standpoint because of that um that doesn't mean cards will do the best but it does mean that the the hobby of or the the pop i guess the better words the popularity of pokemon will stick around so i guess maybe i want to caveat what i said before the the popularity of pokemon is probably here to stay around for a for a longer duration right like it it this ip should survive for many decades to come but we don't know what will happen to the card specific side of it um it's impossible to know right cards are having a a heyday right a resurgence but we don't know what that looks like how nfts come into play what people are going to collect in 20 years you know how they're going to collect Um, they're going to want all this physical stuff um, or if there's just armageddon we just have to use it all as firewood and tinder so who knows
2: that's
0: that's always a possibility (laughs) (laughs) well you know you know it's really interesting too because if people are strictly thinking about collecting cards from an investment perspective if ultimately at the end of the day You want to trust, like, the jockey. Like, if you're investing in the jockey of a business, like a startup, right, Uh, you know, the the idea is okay, the market's okay, you know, all those things are there, but probably the most important factor is the person that's leading the ship, right? I mean, to your point, you have to trust that the jockey is going to keep the IP big, which is why I'm so hesitant with Menazoo. Because there's so many things that can happen before it even gets to a point similar to Pokemon, right? It's only in near one. never...
1: It's, it's just never going to happen. I mean, it's well, like... So, it lacks it's, almost so an, much. it's basically an impossibility for that to occur. Yeah, like, It's almost a statistical impossibility, I think. Unless, just because there's no... Uh, unless... Unless they turned into a media...
0: Yeah, yeah, I mean, unless they turned into a media company, that's the only thing. Because I, I, I agree with you, it's an impossibility unless they think of themselves as an IP, a media IP. But there is so much that needs to be done. You, you, you're betting on the jockey. Like, like if you're into MetaZoo and and you think that they'll go, you're trusting that whomever is holding, you know, at the helm can grow it like that
1: yeah and that's the thing is that it's here's the thing it's a card game first and it's a card game that's based off of like what i would call like historical fantasy i guess you want to call it it's not like it's not like their own media to 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 create this universe because it kind of like is is fine like it exists right it, it from a historic like what they're basing it on right um and i just don't pokemon was always so much more right like all these other like there's so many other like IP touch point like come first like stuff that's been around for five years or a decade like uh, i mean even like fortnite's got a way better chance of like ever being yep. anything like that endures than like something like a metazoo does like I see MetaZoo the same way. I see like gate, that Gate Ruler trading card game. Like Some people are going to really like it. Some people aren't. It's a trading card game. It's a collectible card game. Maybe people will play it. They also have major supply constraints. Um, and about 25 employees to pump out whatever it is, 25,000 boxes or
2: whatever. So good luck. And I mean, it almost seems like Metazoo is built as like an investment tool already. Like it's not really, Pokemon was built as like a card game. That's part of an, a different, part of a bigger IP, but Metazoo just doesn't, I mean, it just, it doesn't, I don't even know how it survives the next five years. Because it's the scare like it, there's not a lot of supply already. I don't know how it's going to improve. And if you improve the supply, what's going to happen with the card values? Like. People aren't gonna want to do something or have that experience with their children if it they got burnt when they tried buying into it. Like you, I don't even know if you can play the game right now because there's just yeah. not enough cards out there. And like I'm not a hater of like the like
1: people should collect like what they want to, right? If people like, like it, like I have local friends who've opened it and like they're pretty objective about it. Um I know Catch a Craze is gonna put out like some some kind of pros and cons video about it that he did because um, he's been able to open some and he's pretty objective about it and like at the end of the day like it, look if people like it and a, a handful of people continue to enjoy it god bless them um i think just objectively it's not going to become some monster um, and I don't know if they they think they wanted to or if they needed to, right? Like I kind of think it about like if you own a business, like you can go two routes, right? You can try to continually grow that business no matter what. Like even if you're super successful, you just always, always want to grow or you run it as like a lifestyle practice, like just running it for cash flow, letting it just exist, and if you have a decent margin you're making a good living off of you know whatever product or service you're providing and i can see them doing the latter like just existing in a space where they do decent sales and people kind of like it and there's but more than likely it becomes 10 years from now it's like people have some of these sealed boxes and they're like oh remember that weird thing that came out during the pandemic that got super hyped like and it'll be like i've heard people put it this way like it'll just be an oddity right um that's why that's an interesting
0: way it. to put it yeah
1: i'd wanted to have it to remember 2020 and 2021 like remember <laughs> what happened here you know i would think i would think about it a lot <laughs> if i had you that know and i was looking at it
0: I mean, I was literally having this conversation with Jeff off the discord, we were talking about it. And like, I, I definitely agree. I think people should buy whatever they want, right? I, if, if they, if they want to spend $1,000 on a MetaZoo box, that's on them. Okay. Do I think that price will hold? I mean, I don't know, only time will tell. I don't think it will. But I mean, if you bought it at a good price, that's reasonable for you, that doesn't put you, you know, in the poorhouse, and you want to play the game, I mean, like we'll see how that goes what what's not clear to me is and i've 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 watched a few of, uh rudy from alpha investments videos on metazoo because he believes in the product he likes the product he thinks it's cool um he's one of the cool.
1: reasons the prices are the way they are him and the other group of influencers who are you know
0: that's supporting it
1: is I, like not not saying it's malicious but just saying like Just
0: talking about it. That's the world
1: we live in. Like, it's just a function of social media momentum. But I'm sorry, continue.
0: He's talked about it a lot. No, you know, he he has done a lot of talking about it. And I mean, I think if you can get the product, like, I kind of feel like you have to sort of taste it. Like I I try to taste stuff if I can. So if I could get MetaZoo at a reasonable MSRP price, I mean, I would definitely buy it just to try it. Maybe open up a box, see what it is, see how hang on to another box just to see what it does in the long term. I mean, that's something really interesting, but just some of these prices, gosh, it kind of reminded me a little bit of Fortnite. When Fortnite was really booming with prices, that there's not a problem with things going up in price. It just seems a little too soon for these hobbies. Like, Fortnite cards is only two years old metazoo cards is only one year old i mean you know it's just a little soon and and i i think i think part of it is um you know a lot of people wanting to get in on the ground floor or something because if they got in on the ground floor of pokemon and they held on to those boxes 10 20 30 years later here's where we are you know we're looking at hundreds of thousands for you know a first edition booster box, right? I mean, I think probably a lot of people have that in mind as well. But what's not quite clear to me and I think it's probably important for the long term is how many people are buying and are actual players? Cuz I think like I think that's important, you know, because then they bring more people on board with them and then they share it with their kids in the future. Um I don't know. That's not that's not quite clear to me. I haven't really had anyone really comment on that specifically because a lot of people are in it to invest in, and that's fine. And we've had this conversation before, hundred where demand 100. is, demand, demand. is demand. demand, right? Right. But I think for long term of a hobby like this, I think it is. I mean, you know, disagree with me completely. It's okay. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, I think for me to feel more confident in that hobby potentially growing. And expanding into other mediums or other things, I, I kind of feel like they—they, they, uh, you know—the player base needs to engage from that perspective. I don't know. That's just my opinion.
1: Yeah, I think uh, either a player base or a real collector's base, right, or a mix of the two. Not just people yeah. specking on something, right? Not just people who are involved in other hobbies or just specking on something, right? Because when you think about like. There there will probably be, so let's take like the last decade. There might be one or zero things that come out of that decade that have the series of events that lead to them being Pokemon-esque 25 years from now, right? Or 15 years from now, like create a massive media brand, um, have a massive, you know, resurgence right after a long, low period um have a black swan event that caters to their, you know, type of product that they, you know, push, right? And the world's changing pretty rapidly, right? So who knows what cards, you know, for example, will be 25 years from now. But I think I think the hard part that people don't this is what I think about a lot. Okay. And I know I say that sometimes, but I think about a lot of things a lot. We're we're living in a in a time where people in our age demographic are have gotten used to making money in a good amount of money in a very fast period of time, right? So a very compressed return period, whether it's been digital assets or even traditional stock, you know, did when I say digital assets, I mean Bitcoin, Ethereum, whatever, traditional stocks. Pokemon cards, sports cards, like people who don't have a historical context for how all these markets work think that this is something that's like easy and highly replicable over time. And the the fact of the matter is, it could have been anything. If Logan Paul came out and said, I just bought, like the world's biggest collection of pogs then this all could have been pogs and all this stuff behind me could still be worth what it was in 2016 or 2018 or 2019 and we could all be talking about freaking pogs right now right and it it just comes down to the fact that people are trying to use it. they're using the item to generate cash flow and it could have been it could have been anything that fell into that black swan event. And, you know, obviously like there, there are tailwinds for something like Pokemon with such a massive media brand, but let's say it was, you know, something very close, right? Like, I don't know, some like, like hello kitty collectibles, right? Like, cause that's like the second biggest IP in the world, right? After Pokemon are pretty close. Like,
0: yeah, same it, real. Yeah. It could,
1: it could have been anything. Um, not anything, but anything with a with a fairly substantial media brand around it, right? like it it could have been Marvel like at like at scale, right? Um, or something like, you know, like obviously that got hyped, but it could have been that could have been the core. Like that could have been the thing, right? It didn't have to be Pokemon. And now people are just trying to use anything to make money quickly right and they're just using social momentum to do that and it just happens to be pokemon right now so i guess what i'm trying to say is like again i always come back to the fact that it's like
2: it's most of it's uninvestable right (laughs) modern look at look at what happened to vivid voltage in like what six weeks like (laughs) how <laughs> the cards fell down. I think Pokemon has it. Also has different markets too. People forget about like you have the vintage, you have the Japanese vintage. Like there's different markets within that market too that people just. I think they just look at as like one, one market, mm. and they don't yeah. kind of focus on the different. Like the Charizard card that you posted today, that sold for was at six hundred thousand. Or what, is that is that yeah. the price? Yeah, uh, PwC- five hundred thousand. Yeah, yeah. And would that be, what was, was that the highest or was it, there was there a higher one than that? Lost I think that's going to be the highest, right?
0: Yeah.
1: Mm. It's like I should know this like immediately, but I can't remember. <laughs> I thought that, I thought it was, thought it was higher than that. I thought it was like five, or six? something. Not six. <sighs> Let's see, because Logic got his it. I try to like, I try to like look at the benchmarks. <laughs> it's somewhere in the ballpark, right? We all yep. know it's like around the ballpark. That 500K marks like pretty close. Um, gosh, what a, what a bad 10, by the way. Not, I've seen
2: worse ones, I was, but that was not a good one. I 10. was going to ask you how it was because I had only seen the front, but like, that's a thing too. Like those early 10s, like a it's lot a of them are early 10s. Time. Oh, oh boy yeah that's very it's early super,
1: it's crazy old um yeah they're just it, probably out. like uh like a around 2000 <laughs> like year 2000 graded guard who knows um
2: is has but, there been so this, this is a side talk has there been talk about how the cases could be damaging these cards so they could have graded it as 10 but then once they sit in the case for 20 years and they shift around do you think that might be having, maybe, maybe it was a 10, but after sitting in that case for 20 years, it could be now be like an eight or a nine.
1: I'm curious. Cause I, I've never, I've only owned a Japanese card with that old of a cert, mm-hmm. but Japanese cards were always known to move around more in the cases. So I don't know. Um, I've never had that old of a, of a card um, from PSA. To know if like the standard like English first edition cards move around in there, but the, I can tell you that the case looks like it went through a meat grinder. <laughs> it looks like it is like trashed. If you look at the pictures, like it's—I oh, I saw the back and I was like, that can't be on the card because this is a ten. It has to be the case, um, and it was—it was bad. It was really mm.
0: bad. You know, I have to dig up the video, but there's a YouTube video of a guy testing out CGC cases. And I can't remember if it was one of the early CGC cases or the more recent ones, because I have a I have an older one um, Mm -hmm. that that it did move around a lot. Um, But he literally like he he shook it physically and did comparisons and then made a machine that shook it. And there was was, no change.
1: What's his face? It was. Yeah. Yeah. Oh I can't think of his name. It's, I don't know. He's he it's like, an older he's older. He's he's a like a online marketing social or social media kind of like we Pat were, Flynn. Yeah, Is that, Matt Pat Flynn. Pat Flynn. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah. he's he's like an OG like uh, internet marketing guy. Okay. created uh he was like studying for like the if it was the bar like what the hell it was and then he like created this online like course website for people like he wrote like a like a study guide book or something and then he got into like social media marketing and all this he's been very successful very good at what he does but he also like loves pokemon so then he like started to get into pokemon but honestly i started forgetting like what these people's histories are because I just don't consume their content as much if anything at all like even like like, I can't even watch, like, Leonhart. Like, I just can't. Like, it just, I'm just, like, I don't, like, your your expressions and your reactions are just annoying me. I don't even know. Like, you get so depressed when he pulls something that's, like, not a good card. Like, it's just, like, it's super weird. I don't know. So, I always, uh, I tend to, like, forget all these, like, back histories. I can't keep all this stuff in my head about these content creators. But, yeah, oh, I yeah. don't know. I don't There's know some- how those that old case works yeah.
0: mm. i might have to talk to uh, eric and charlie <laughs> next weekend because there's going to be some real old head collectors at the florida show that i'm going to oh yeah yeah so i'll have to talk to them that'll be really interesting because you. i literally thought that okay shaking the card affected like shaking the case affected the card like surely right surely it would but for the cgc it didn't so you know i don't want to just assume you know by by proximity it's the same for psa but mm. that'd be really interesting but i mean those those recent charts though uh, uh zards that we were talking about a few weeks ago that went through auction those were really trash looking those are really really bad tens Maybe I forget eight. how much.
1: I'm still trying to remember what the record high was, and I feel like I should. I feel like it was like 400, but I can't remember. But those ones went for like it was like low th- high twos, low
2: threes. I'm trying to remember. But was, like, yeah, wasn't was the record like high 272? like a gray stamp too? Wasn't it like a gray stamp, and that's why it was so like mm. some kind of weird stamp? Too. That's why i went for so high.
1: I'm trying. I just can't remember. Honestly, it's like those things I should remember. Like, what am I even a Pokemon content creator? Gosh, guys, I don't even remember what <laughs> the highest Charizard price was, but thought it was like 400 ish. But it's always, I always can't remember like which ones got paid for either. <laughs> like, which yeah. ones actually got confirmed. It was cool that PWCC messaged me today, though. Mm-hmm. And they told me that it had been, it was an actual sale. Cause when I first saw that sale, I thought it was just like a weird eBay thing.
2: Mm. Like just
1: cause sometimes their, their stuff just glitches. And they like, you know, like it shows sales that never happened or like canceled orders. And they said it had been purchased, but not yet paid for, which I still don't understand. Cause I think that came from the vault. So like, did the person not click purchase like is there some different like system of payment that i'm not privy to because i've never bought a four hundred thousand dollar card on on ebay like do they get to like contact pwcc directly and like work it out like i don't know what happens there i think
2: so they have to yeah wire that money wouldn't they i would not
1: expect you would be putting that on your
2: credit card
1: but hey. At that, at that level of wealth, I mean, you can have like you could have a black Amex and just put it on there. There's no <laughs> limit. Like you theoretically could, a hell of a lot of Amex points. <laughs>
0: yeah, I'm imagine still imagine doing that. <laughs> oh my oh gosh, my I'm still blown away with what um, uh, with what Anna Pogagal told me when I had her on a few weeks ago, because she talked to Dan. Because I was like, "Yo, you need it. You need to have Dan and Travis on your podcast." And Dan told her that they were literally they hadn't been paid on eighty thousand thousand dollars worth of listings from PWCC. I think it was.
1: Oh yeah, I remember her saying that. Ugh. Yeah,
0: which is which is insane to me because I'm thinking, I'm okay, either they were selling some really nice cards or, you know, just by volume. But that's something that like I've been trying to figure out. Because doing those market roundups, like mm-hmm. it is hard to really verify. I mean, I've got PWCC pulled up right now for Pokemon cards, right? I've got it listed down for completed auctions, highest bid first, right? But mm-hmm. and I mean, these are these are older ones. So so like the like the illustrator that that mm-hmm. went in February, that one went for three seventy five. Three seventy
1: you know. five, yeah.
0: Right. But, but these other ones, like, like, what can I trust? What can't I trust? And, and I'm assuming that if it's still on there that they paid for it. Right. That that's what I'm assuming, but you know, trust, but verify. Yeah. (laughs) Like, like, you know, I don't want to put information out there that I can't actually, you know, say with full confidence, like, this is the thing. So I've been trying to figure that out still. Like, like how does, does PwC put out
1: how that works? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Which,
1: I know I've had like, I've, I've sold a card that then like for some reason it couldn't ship to the buyer's country. So we canceled the order, but it still sat on like the sold listings. Like when I look up that card. So I, but I haven't like looked it up in a while. So I don't know if it's stays on eBay for that, whatever, that 90 day history and then falls off or if it gets eliminated when they realize it wasn't paid for. Like, I don't, I don't know, but that data is messy. The data is super messy. Yeah. So.
0: It, it's definitely going to stay messy unless we, we put it everything on blockchain, mm-hmm. which is still something I'm trying to get figured out. But, but, but I agree with you. I agree with you. I don't know. I, I, part of me kind of feels like even though that particular <laughs> instance wasn't paid for, it would have still been paid for you. had you been able to ship that. So it's kind of like, well, so someone was willing to or was trying to pay at that price point, would we consider that valid? I kind of say
1: right, yeah,
0: half. Have- halfish, you know, it's not like really true. Right? That's what I'm saying. So I don't know, I've been having like, it's been a while since I've really had some deep thoughts on it. But when it comes to the app, and when it comes to data validation from the API, that's going to be really hard. Because, you know, like, shill bidding, see it all the time. Like, the other day, I literally saw a lot for like 14 cards base set unlimited basic shit no hollows and that apparently sold for over 2000 or for 2000 something like that and i'm like come (laughs) on people like this is stupid this is this is obviously it's gonna get
1: it's just gonna get even harder too and like i mean between like for people who are educated especially on the higher end With the 1099K changes, people are already disenfranchised by selling on eBay, right? The more now that we get these in-person sales or Instagram deals or whatever, like there's going to be so much price history that we lose on a lot of like, I would say like the higher end or the more significant cards in the hobby is more trades start to, I mean, people love trading. Trading's fantastic, right? So- I think that it's going to be, it's going to be hard to like kind of keep track, right? Because people, people have gotten so, we've all gotten so spoiled by the volume of transactional data that we have at our fingertips now. Like we can look up, okay, hey, I forgot like the Charizard sold for 400K at golden auctions in March, right? And I think that was the record one, if I remember, like whatever. Like it's, it's not always going to be like that. Like whether it's like, cards going into like forever hands and them only selling like every few years maybe like more rare stuff or like those trophy cards yeah like trophy cards or the just the amount of volume that ends up happening offline in person like we're not going to have as much access to that data so it's going to be it's going to be kind of more important than ever to like understand directionally where values are going but also like i i personally think and i know it's hard cuz it's one of the only ways to like look at it but like people rely too much on comps like just because something sold for something or has been trending in a certain direction has no necessary is not a necessary indicator for the like true value of that item like it just haven't like we all know this right but people like People would just be like, "Well, one just sold for two hundred dollars, and yours is listed for three hundred dollars." And I'm like, "Well, because that's actually probably what it's worth." And one random auction on one random day is not indicative of an entire market for a certain card. And in the same way, just because a bunch of hidden face Charizards are selling, or you know, Evo Charizards are selling for whatever, and now there's fourteen thousand of them. Uh, like it's crazy to me how these like how these modern cards sell for more than vintage like gem mints or nines and there's a hundred times as many of them for some of these cards it just makes no sense to me
2: it's FOMO. they're just people are afraid they're going to miss out on and they want to get it so they'll pay (laughs) stupid prices and we see it we see that like it's
1: hilarious because like the same thing happens, right? Like the first, like whatever alt art from EV heroes gets graded and sells for like three grand. And then the next week, another one sells for 1500. And I'm like, you guys know, we keep doing this every time, right? Like definition of insanity, doing something over and over again, and expecting a different result. Like it's just, Human psychology is so fascinating to me, especially when it comes to emotional hobbies uh, and how that plays out in the markets. Like investor psychology or buyer psychology is just so fascinating. Um, And maybe what it just really means is that people are not as smart as we want to think they are. But emotions are hard to mitigate, right? When you're making buying decisions on stuff that
2: you really want or... It's well, like that's a true card. skill yeah, yeah it's not easy it's hard to do and that's why i haven't been looking at the market right now because everything's down from what i used to buy it for but i know it's not not the real place <laughs> to be at so i just that's why i just haven't even looked at cards until like recently because of just how there's just i mean the so for ebay like when it when we had when we were in like the middle of covid from september to like march like that was all like that was all the transactions you like, did so